Hey, you ever been to Chancellor Park? That's where I live. My name is Tavin Dillard. I live in Chancellor Park. I mow lawns, mowing, edging, grass cutting legend. I sure am glad to join me here on this podcast. I want to let you know what's going on in my neck of the woods. Now, I started out years ago on the YouTubes and then the TikToks and the Instagrams now and the whatnots. I got the websites, the tabandiller.com, but right now, I want to clue you into what's happening in my neck of the woods on the Tabandiller podcast. You here? I'm here. I'm glad you joined me. Now I'm going to send it over to myself. This is like the pre-introduction, but let's get on to the real show today. I'm glad you joined me here. Bank, bank. Welcome to the Tavern Dillard Podcast, y'all guys. Season 5's Episode 1's, the very first episodes of Season 5. I have traipsed right into Season 5 of this podcast. Actually, I can't say I ever really traipsed anywhere in my life, if a man's being honest. But this is the very beginning of a brand new podcast season, even though it's still the same season of the year, which is the fall's times. I sure appreciate y'all joining me. If you got a chance to last week on a final episode of season four is a Q&A podcast. Uh, just shy of an hour, about 54-minute podcast. That's about the longest ever been on Tavon Dillard. I think, I think that was the longest episode we ever had on this podcast. Uh, usually, we about 25, 30 minutes. And I'm imagining uh, the very first episode of season five that we're kicking off right now ain't going to be much different. We're going to be probably around close to 30 minutes or so, the way I can see, best I can tell. But as I get started... I wanted to let y'all know that my name is Tavon Dillard, and I'm old lawns. I live in Chancellor Park, mowing, edging, grass-cutting legend. Happy to help. Now, I don't know if y'all guys buy gifts for folks. You might. Birthdays, Christmas, maybe something else. You know, just like to think about other folks and be like, hey, I bet they sure would like this. Or maybe you just like bacon. Y'all probably know by now that I teamed up with Bacon Boise, and we got Tavon's Bacon Bag available now in plenty of time. For all the gift-giving needs. I want to let you know that the old Tavins Bacon Bag, it's ready for pre-order if you do need a gift. Uh, so you can do that. It's called a pre-order. And you know, you know about them things. There's a link in the show notes, though, today for that. If you're like me, I need a bag for myself. I like getting folks stuff that they would like, but also that I think I would like. So I might end up with a couple bags. That way it's easier for me to give one away, like out of way. Anyhow, check the link in the show notes for this amazing flavored bacon bag from Bacon Boys. If anybody knows bacon, buddy, they sure do. There are them strips of bacon in there and then chopped up at the bottom of the bag. I call it the pocker and bacon, bite-sized, like pocker and chicken is, except it ain't. It's pocker and bacon. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. You can check all that out. Better than pocker and boss, which created quite a stir in town during Halloween's. You can hear all about that from a couple episodes ago, uh, season four, episode 14. I will say this is uh, that them pocker and balls, they ain't going away, even though we on the other side of Halloween now. How's that, Tavin? That couldn't be. Well, I'll tell y'all guys, this is how it could be. Imogene Watkins has decided to donate 100 Pockern balls to the Town Fall Festival. Now, you might be wondering, who asked Imogene to do that? Uh, and how did she come up with that number 100? Did she say, okay, I think about 100 is going to be about right and I, and I need to do this? No, the answer is nobody asked her. She just pulled the whole thing out of thin air. Nobody contacted Imogene to make anything for the fall events coming up in town. She also wanted to donate some of them things, them pocket balls, to the nursing home. I'm wondering if she just don't have that many left over from the Halloweens, and she's trying to pawn it off on a group of people who mostly eat soft foods, you know, for their diet. They ain't trying to chomp through a hardened pocket ball. It's lacquered green, blue, red, food color, and sprayed on it, whatever it is. But she, she's up to that. That's what's going on in town. Now, you may know that I've been dipping my toe into nursing home volunteer poo. 
But did you know they pay me a little jingle this fall to be what they call a events assistant? What that means is I ain't taking folks to the bathroom or giving them medicine. I ain't a nurse. You need more training for all that. But I help push folks to the mess hall and I handle decorations and that kind of thing. But here's the thing about that. I can't just drop in like I've been doing before, like here and there, just kind of drop by. Or when my gal Cricket says, hey, can you pitch in today? And I show up kind of thing. And that way we kind of working together, seeing each other and getting some work done. No, it's a job. So they give you a schedule. And you got to keep a little tighter grip on things because of that. Like, this is kind of my livelihood for the time being, or at least one of the ways I'm making money. So I got to be there uh, and get that work done. And you know what I did this past week? I got the work done. But before I get into that, can I tell you where we heading this fall? Kind of like a preview. Well, and I don't know how much of this is going to happen. You know, so you know, you make plans and you see what comes around. Well, the, the nursing home knows how to put on events. And now I'm learning that too. So there's going to be lots of activity down there. Of course, Thanksgiving is coming up. So there's going to be some family time. I'm sure about that. But we also got a town parade. Don't even get me started on what a hoot all that's going to be. Meemaw, for some reason, is getting more social and has already started talking about throwing a Christmas party. Now, Cheryl Grubbs, she got all kind of holiday donut ideas uh, for Thanksgiving. You know, her and her husband, Shane, they bought that uh, donut store in town and renamed it Donut Goals. And not just for Thanksgiving, she's talking about Christmas flavors. So I don't know if she's going to, she's just talking and brainstorming and decide not to do it. I, I'm fine, I guess, with new recipes, as long as she ain't changing the recipe to that apple frittler. Early bird gets the perm. They really try to step up their game. They might do a float for either the Thanksgiving or Christmas parade or both, but that could just be big talk. You know, maybe they, they think about it, but then you figure out what goes into a float. Hey, it ain't just staple guns and tissue paper, although you could get pretty far into to a float with them two things. I ain't going to say it ain't, but there's got to be more. We'll see. And where there is a parade... There's a junior cheer team, junior archers, local churches, groups, organizations, dance teams out in full force. And Dalma Spencer still lives in town. So there's that. How's that for a preview? It's like you've seen the menu for the buffet, but the buffet ain't open yet. Except season five of the Tap Builder podcast is open. And without further ado, and even further ado, let me tell you how this past week went. We had the Town Fall Festival and one of the first fall events at the nursing home. Can I just say B-I-N-G-O? You heard me. They had a bingo night at the nursing mess hall, nursing home mess hall. And they had, they'd done bingo before there, but now they wanted to do it once a week down there. Like they're trying to make it a weekly thing, you know, get people excited about it and expecting it. Now they're starting to go expect it every week because all of a sudden uh, now it's, uh, it's something people put on their schedule and they say, hey, I'm going to be down there at uh, that nursing home mess hall because they're doing bingo. And where there's bingo, there's prizes. But uh, that's how they go. And they, and they letting people that ain't residents, that means you don't live there. You ain't got to live in a nursing home. That ain't got to be your home. Uh, you can show up and play if you want to. But I guess if it gets too full, that what they're saying is the first folks getting kicked out are the ones that ain't residents, which makes sense because you can't kick somebody out 
uh, of the nursing home if they live at the nursing home. I guess you could kick them out of the bingo game, but that's only if maybe they starting a fight or, you know, dump water on somebody, which I guess would be the same thing as starting a fight. I don't know anybody gets water dumped on. I was like, hey, friend, thanks. Let me shake your hand. Maybe if you just uh, won a Frisbee game in the middle of the summer and your buddy's trying to cool you off, maybe, but that ain't what's going on at the nursing home mess hall in the winter's times and the fall's times. And as exciting as uh, nursing home bingo sounds, there don't seem, at this time, any concern that they're going to have to turn anybody away. It was the talk of the nursing home this week that they got one of them bingo ball air poppers. It kind of looked like one of them popcorn machines from the 1980s, except it don't get hot. It just blows these little ping pong balls around, and they pick numbers, and then you play bingo. Now, I'm assuming that you, the listener, know the rules of bingo, but if you don't, uh, welcome. Here's a quick rundown. There's letters from the alphabet. Then there's numbers from the number bet. And if you call a letter and a number like B5, then you look under your B column on your little bingo card that's in front of you on the table. And then you look for number five under there. And if you got it, then you cover that up. And then you try to cover up a whole row or a whole column like that away, unless they play in blackout. And then you got to cover up the whole board. And best I know, most all the boards have a free space, F-R-E-E, that you automatically get. So you ain't got to cover that with the thing. You can, but it's like it's already covered. It comes covered kind of thing in in, in hypothetically speaking. Uh, It's like you starting a game with one square cover. Well, there's about nine folks down there for the bingo game this week. And you know, you think they just kicking this off. They ain't done it every week, but they're going to do it or they want to do it every week. So the expectation is that it's going to grow. The numbers down there, folks, that is going uh, to the nursing home uh, bingo matches or whatever they call it. I don't know if they call them matches or not. Maybe it's just bingo game. Uh, What else would you call it? Bingo competition bingo tournament i don't know cricket was working a ping pong ball uh popcorn machine that told the letters and numbers she was she's in charge of that and uh that's a big responsibility and i'd be the guy who would echo what she said and walk around and check on folks cricket had a little microphone and a speaker but it was giving feedback and then it was messing with folks hearing aids one way or another so she would just call out the thing and i'd repeat it louder and closer to the folks that was playing Doreen Fundle heard there's prizes, and there was, but you had to play bingo, and you had to win, and she had two problems. She didn't want to play bingo, so there wasn't no way she could win. Dewey Morton joined the game. He loves the rec area, checkers, ping pong, that kind of thing, and he liked to wear coveralls whenever he can. That's how he ended up stealing the snow machine for last year's Winter Wonderland, because Rusty Tidwell thought he was a nursing home maintenance man, dropped it off with Dewey, who happened to be out front by the entrance of the nursing home. That was a circus. thing about Dewey is he ain't the kind of resident you can relax around. Like, he ain't going to just sit there and play by the rules. He going to get into something. And this week at the bingo game, that wasn't no different. Now, uh, Cricket knows Dewey's game. She ain't fooled by it. But she was a little distracted trying to get that ping pong ball, bingo, poker, and machine going. And Dewey walk up to her with a little styrofoam cup. I take about six, eight ounces, but most it could hold. You know, one of them little styrofoam uh, cup full of hot chocolate. And that chocolate was hot. Like it wasn't lukewarm, he hadn't let it set out. It wasn't cold, not like it was hot, hot chocolate. Uh, it could not be no fuller. That little styrofoam cup was doing everything it was made to do and then some. Right to the brim and you said you gotta walk like you on a tightrope at the circus, not to spill any. Well, you think Dewey gonna walk that way? 
No, sir. He don't walk that way. So he's sloshing that hot drink as he approaches Cricket, and she kind of hold her arm out like a good running back, keep him at a distance, you know, stiff arming, and then she say, Mr. Morton, go sit down. And he kind of look at her, and he's smiling, you know, just grinning, extend his hand out with the hot chocolate cup to her like, I got this for you, you know, kind of thing. Like she's supposed to be happy about that. I mean, he... Hey, it's sloshed out so much. It's on his wrist. It's on his hand. It's down the side of the cup. And so she had to abandon the ping pong machine to usher Dewey away. But he don't stop trying to hand her that drink. So she finally take it from him just so he don't make a bigger mess and Dewey see his chance. So while Cricket is taking that drink long enough to get it to the nearby trash can, Dewey Morton make a U-turn and head back to the ping pong machine. And let me tell you right now, I miss Dewey's trick too. Because about that time, Doreen Fundle walked back in the mess hall with a Santa hat on, which don't make no sense, except that it's Doreen Fundle, and she's a year-round wild card. Who knows what to expect, except to expect unexpected with her. So I'm trying to get her settled, but she insists that I call her Mrs. Santa, and I spend a good 30 seconds arguing with her, and finally I just give in, and I call her that just to be done with it. Well, by the time Cricket gets to the trash can with that messy cup of hot chocolate, six, eight-ounce styrofoam cup, and then help Dewey get seated, then she's back to the ping-pong popcorn machine, and she's going to call a number. And she do. Doreen Fundle don't stay three minutes, and then she shuffled out back to her room. Cricket's calling numbers. I'm repeating them. Folks is covering their little squares on their board. Well, I don't know when, because I ain't that observant, but Cricket noticed that there's a combo that wasn't never getting called. And it was N, as in Nancy, and 7, as in not 8 or 6. That ping pong ball wasn't in there. Cricket checked the box. Maybe it's still in there, and she just missed it. Folks is patient, and they waiting. Everybody except Dewey Morton. Uh, he ain't waiting, and you know why? Because he done shuffled back uh, out of the room somewhere. Apparently, he was bored. Well, Cricket tells me, Tavin, can you go check the information desk and see if that bingo ball fell out of the box back there somewhere? So I go and check the information desk, but there ain't no ping pong ball there. And about that time, this gal, Belinda, who worked there, uh, she hurries down the hallway, Tavin, have you seen Dewey Morton? I said, yeah, he'd been in the mess hall for a while. He just scooted out a little bit ago. And she said, he ain't in his room. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. I thought, well, other than trying to escape, he probably in the rec room. He likes it in that rec room. Uh, she said, can you go check? I told her, sure. And as I get close to that rec room, I hear somebody playing ping pong. I walk in there, and sure enough, Dewey Morton is bouncing a ping pong ball on the table, and he's catching it. He can't play a game because he ain't got nobody to play with. The only way to do that would be to hit it and run to the other side of the table but there ain't no way Dewey Morton was going to pull off that stunt. So I just said, Dewey, what's the word? He looked at me and he said, how's that? I said, folks is looking for you. You ain't supposed to be in the rec room right now. He just shrugged at me. I told him to come on in and get back to his room or go, go back to the mess hall. And I told him to leave that ping pong paddle and that ping pong ball in the rec room. Well, he stared at me like he's trying to be sneaky. And then he slipped a ping pong ball in his pocket. I tell him he can't do that. He tried to ignore me. I tell him to leave that ping pong ball. He pulled that thing out of his pocket and roll it on the table. And as that thing rolls, I see N7 on the side of that ball. Well, I put N and 7 together real quick and said, Dewey, that ain't your ping pong ball or the rec room's ping pong ball. You got to take that to the mess hall. They need that for the bingo game. 
He's like, how's that? I was like, Dewey, they need that for the bingo game. He said, come again? I said, Dewey, they need that for the bingo game. He goes, I don't know. I was like, you heard every word I said, and you know what you need to do. You need to get back down to that mess hall, and you need to take that N7 ping pong ball and get back down there because they need that for the bingo game. Dewey smiled at me partway because he, he liked to be needed, you know, and, you know, he got something everybody want right now. And secondly, he's, he's so mischievous, so mischievous. Well, I picked up the ball because by now I'd rolled off the table. I made Dewey walk with me because I didn't need to lose sight of him anyway. Well, by the time I get back in there, Doreen Fundle, a.k.a. Mrs. Santa, had somehow run the table, as they say, and she looked ready to win the bingo game. She was lined up for a prize. Well, Cricket called a number, and about that time, I drop N7 back in that pocker and popper thing, that bingo ball pocker and popper, oh, or the hopper, whatever it's called. But uh, what is the best name for that thing? I sure don't know yet. Well, Cricket called uh, the number N7, and Doreen Fundle holler bingo. Turns out she had it, and Doreen won a prize. Can you believe the two least interested folks there ended up being at the center of all the action? Dewey Morton. And Doreen Fundle. Well, Doreen got a stuffed animal shark. She wanted to trade it for something else because she thought if she set it on her dresser in her room, it might give Captain Thunderboots a heart attack. And she said she don't know how to recasitate a fish. Uh, that's because she got a she got a goldfish named Captain Thunderboots, and she just she's she's afraid that a, that a, a stuffed animal shark would scare that little fishy. That's what was going on in her mind. So she got a Long John Silver's ball cap. Can you believe? That's just the excitement from the nursing home alone this fall already. We still had the fall festival in town. Now, here, the festival takes place in the city park. P.J. McGee, he mows the city lawns. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody had a question about that last week on the Q&A of the podcast. They was asking uh, why I don't mow the, the softball fields. That's P.J. He, he do them, uh, them fields for the city. And they had booths set up down there where you can win little prizes and candy. And then, of course, they got the cakewalk. Now, Justine Dunlap's mama, Unita, somehow got the wrong idea in her head. I seen her at Rickard's grocery store, and she said, I hope Oprah Winifrey is there, and she hand me a fully cooked ham at that cakewalk. I'm thinking, firstly, I don't think Oprah is going to be there, and B, it's a cakewalk, not a ham walk. Although, I don't think a ham walk's a bad idea, but you get the idea. There is excitement in town over to fall festivals and what's all going to be there. What could be, might be, should be, will be. They got pony rides. Our town got a reputation for ponies. Mary Beth Tucker, she was helping with the pony rides. She loved animals. She went to school for horses. She worked at the veterinary. Well, Shetland ponies are mean. And they ain't horses. But they're close enough that Mary Beth figures she can work with them as well as anybody can work with a Shetland pony, best I can tell. Millie Ricks, She's first in line. Now, Millie, you probably know this, but she's 80, 90-year-old, can't hear too well, she can't see too well, but she get in line 30 minutes before that pony ride open. Millie will do what she won't. She told Mary Beth she ain't rode a pony in years and that it's her New Year's resolution. And then Mary Beth said, what year? And Millie said, matter-of-factly, 1987. Well, I guess Millie's way overdue then. The only concern, well, I think as well, I, sh man, I shouldn't say the only concern because there were many, but one of the concerns was that she'd fall off the pony and die. Mary Beth had the little pony area roped off and ponies are eating hay and glaring at folks who might want to get on their back like don't even try it kind of thing. And Mary Beth, she'd go over to the donut goals table. Shane and Cheryl Grubbs was there with the best of donuts. They had orange icing, brown icing, real harvest themed colors you might say, and they did have a standard glaze twist or two or three. Mary Beth decided to go for apple frittler. 
For all the trouble Mary Beth has been in the middle of town at them softball field concession stands, she got real good taste in the donuts. Myron Curtis showed up and he's working a beanbag booth or something like that, where uh, you try and toss a beanbag into a plastic cup that's stapled to a piece of plywood, and there's like 10 cups stapled down, but they ain't right next to each other, so you might land that beanbag in between them if you ain't careful. You know about that game? And they put you far enough away where it's hard to get the right angle. I mean, there's strategy to that game. And I, and I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I'm telling you, um, that was one of them games there. Now, Neil and Danita McKinney, they had actors for the live nativity they do every Christmas, and they was handing out brochures for their church. Now, it wasn't a full cast, but they had a baby doll as baby Jesus and a Joseph and Mary, and they had a cow, just a standard cow. It's better than a dog with antlers, which did happen before. But it's just to give folks a flavor that, hey, we got real animals at the live nativities coming up this Christmas. Them Shetland ponies was eyeing that live nativity like, why can't we just do that? Sit in some hay instead of kids dropping funnel cakes and popcorn ball crumbs on our backs. But hey, you don't get to pick it, Shetland ponies. That's what you do. You a, you a pony ride pony. And the answer is, if they was in the live nativity, they would bite somebody and ruin the fall festivals and ruin the Christmas, you know, next month. Mary Beth Tucker offered Myron a bite of her apple frittler while he set up that beanbag booth or whatever it was, but it had to do with beanbags like I explained in earlier and the cups and staple gun and all that kind of thing. But it was one of them things where his hands was full because he was moving things around and he just held the frittler. Uh, she did. Mary Beth held the frittler for him while he just took a bite. If you can imagine that in your, eye, in your mind's eye. Mary Beth Tucker just handing out that frittler for Myron to take a bite because he's got his hands full. He can't hold it himself. Well, he really laid into that thing. Mary Beth got mad. Like, she didn't expect him to take that big of a bite. And even though the frittler's pretty big, I mean, he really leaned into it. And she's mad. Like, I thought she's going to pinch his nose like a toddler and finger scoop that frittler right out of Myron's mouth at the beanbag booth. But she just kept saying, not that much. Not that much, Myron. But it's too late. You know, Myron drive a snack delivery truck. Folks call him bean dip. I don't. I call him Myron Curtis, but he know his way around snacks, and he taking down almost half a frittler in one bite. That ain't nothing for Myron to do. It was impressive to see. But for Myron, this is just another day at the frittler bank kind of thing. So all that to say, there are some tense moments early on. Cricket ended up having to work late at the nursing home. I thought I'd just go and check out the fall festival, but before I left my trailer to even head down there, Meemaw hollered from her trailer and asked if I could give her a ride down there. Now, I do have an ATB right now, thanks to Cricket's granddaddy, but Meemaw got her 99, 1991 a Buick Regal. I get to drive that when I'm taking her somewhere. Like, I don't get to borrow that for my own self, but if I'm, like, uh, giving her a ride in her car, she let me, you know, drive it. Well, she heard something about chili dogs, and she got a hanker and said, I'll drive you down, and I told her, I said, I'll drive you down there, Meemaw, but if Mabel Childress is down there, don't let that ruin your day. And she said, I ain't scared of Mabel. I said, I didn't say that, Meemaw. I know you ain't scared of Mabel, but you don't need to be fighting down at the Fall Festival like y'all did a couple of, you know, like you just a couple of Shetland ponies mad at each other. Don't do that. Think about Meemaw. She got a powerful bite. Myron Curtis chomping on a frittler ain't got nothing on my Meemaw. If you in the bite zone, look out. Now, here's the deal. My Meemaw has mellowed out in recent years. Mellow yellowed out. That stuff seems to calm her down, or at least make her happy so she's less ornery. Anyhow, even though uh, she has mellowed out, folks know how she used to be. She could fight, and she could bite. Now, I don't know if Mabel Childress forgot this or just thinks she can take on Meemaw, 
but it just ain't real great when they both end up at the same event. It just gets bad for everybody. There are food, there, it scares kids. Uh, there are food adults that really get a kick out of it. Most people just, it gets, it gets them sad or it ruins their day. You know, when Mima and Mabel mix like oil and water. Well, Chet Dilroy was down there with the junior archers doing a little display and letting folks try to shoot arrows. They wasn't real sharp because, well, you'd hate to take out a pony or even a box of donuts with one of them arrows. There's a uh, music playing over a speaker, but J.T. Whitlow's band Possum Gland got to perform a few songs, uh, and they had to turn that speaker off so, so you could hear them. J.T. Whitlow's girlfriend, Whitney, she was there. She's Cody Mantell's cousin, and she loves the drama. So she's seen them pony rides, and she just went under the rope cut right past Millie Ricks and went to pet one of them ponies. Well, that thing kind of headbutted Whitney and she fell back in the hay and she start crying. Millie Ricks shuffled over there and she pulled Whitney by the ear. Nobody knows what Millie's doing, but turns out she thought she was helping. Well, the fear of the pony was now interrupted by the stinging right ear that's being pulled by Millie Ricks. So uh, Whitney had a lot of emotions to sift through in a very short amount of time. I got you, Millie said. I got you. Whitney screamed and smacked Millie's hand. Mary Beth Tucker ran over there with one, of the, one third of an apple frittler, and she tried to take charge of the pony rides, well, which she is in charge of, matter of fact, but she wasn't ready. It wasn't open yet, you know, just uh, people ducked the line there. Well, Millie didn't buy no ticket for the pony rides. She wasn't going to, but she wasn't leaving neither. So Whitney bought a ticket, and Mary Beth asked Whitney to take Millie with her because Whitney had cut into the pony line ride early anyway. So help us all out and be Millie's chaperone on the pony ride, won't you, Whitney? Fine. Whitney agreed to do that. Well, they get Millie on first so Whitney can hold on to Millie around her waist from behind, and everything's going fine until Whitney hears Possum Gland, that's JT's band, start playing. Whitney liked that attention, so she'll get in front row the, when the band's playing. She sometimes hop out on stage, if there is a stage, and she dances with the band. Well, Whitney ain't about to be left out, and she tried to get that pony to gallop toward the band. Only thing is, this pony ride's set up like a bike wheel, and them spokes that come out uh, are them ropes that attach to the pony to keep it walking in circles. So that pony can't really go, so now Whitney decided to hop off uh, the pony, and she run to the band performance. But she's holding on to Millie Ricks until she wasn't. And Millie turned out to, uh, she, she got a pretty good grip. And she caught a skunk in her yard, you know, and that thing didn't get free till Millie was good and ready to let the thing go. So Whitney land on her shoulder, and she roll in the dirt, hop up, and sprint toward Possum Gland performance. Mary Beth is screaming, uh, all, all kinds, just, just screaming out of uh, fear and terror, thinking that, that, you know, the ponies are going to go haywire, and Millie's going to die. But Millie's over there having a real good time. Oh, she was having a good old time. Yeehaw! She's yelling. And, buddy, I mean, that pony is moving slower than an inchworm through mud. It looked like a poorly choreographed, anticlimactic, non-action action scene. Don't get me wrong. When Whitney hit the ground and popped up all dirty and sprinted toward her boyfriend's band, things was moving pretty quick. Only thing is, she spooked that cow when she ran by the live nativity, and Cheryl and Saint Shane Grubbs, they seen the writing on the wall. They started moving donuts into boxes and under day table because here comes a spooked cow. Moo. Well, about that time, here comes Imogene Watkins with a wagon full of popcorn balls. Hundred that she is donating to the fall festival that nobody asked for. Well, that cow avoided the donut table, but it can't avoid the popcorn ball wagon, and that handle gets yanked out of Imogene's popcorn ball making hands. And like a Roman candle firing skyward, popcorn balls lit up the sky red, blue, green. 
By that time, Neil McKinney caught up with his cow. Kids went crazy for flying pockering balls. Who knew? I guess if something goes airborne, kids love it, like bubbles, balloons, kites. So they caught them. Some did. Some bounced off kids' faces, left a little mark, too. They hard. And then it got calm. Music was playing. Families made their way around all the festivities. I even seen Cheryl Grubbs back up a standard glaze and take it over to uh, Mary Beth Tucker at the pony rides. Trying to make up for what Myron did to Mary Beth Frittler, I guess. Me? I got Mima up there and she tore into a caramel apple with that powerful bite of hers. And although she got strong jaws, that denture glue or whatever you call it wasn't strong enough today. So she took that caramel apple to go. Good thing, too, because Mabel Childers showed up and I heard she missed the band and throwed one of them pocker balls pretty hard. She got a good arm. Landed in, a, in that Myron's beanbag booth and he told Mabel she lost that pocker ball. She didn't get it back. Nothing says hello, fall, like some bingo, pony rides, and donuts with orange icing. Am I right? And I ain't got pocker balls, but I do have a Tappan's Bacon Bag available for you at the link in today's show notes. It's a new podcast season, y'all guys. If you listen on a platform that lets you leave a rating and comment like the Apple Podcast I know do, please do that. It sure does help me out. And if you like in this podcast, maybe somebody else you know will like it too. Would you share it? I sure hope you do. And you can also check out them show notes today for my shirts and my merchandise, my number where you can text me, and my email. Ain't that a hoot? Let's be in touch, y'all guys. Season 5 is here, and I'm glad you're here with me. I appreciate you tuning in today to help kick off this brand new season. Lots going on and more on the way. And hey, if you ain't held a 90-year-old on a pony this week, then jumped off and fell in the dirt, rolled around, hopped up, spooked a cow to hear a band play at a Townfall Festival, you having a pretty good week. Until next time, y'all guys, I'm Tavin Dillard. We'll see you later. <laughs>